This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome, everyone. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of online publication Retail Insider, talking about Canadian retail news. We're joined here today with uh, Marcel Redemeyer. She's the uh, founder of uh, Bulet Retail Consultants, which is based in Toronto and has business around the country. Welcome, Marcel. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you and I have connected, uh, you know, multiple times, uh, be it uh, from, you know, Italy opening at the uh, Manulife Centre in Toronto to the uh, overhaul of, of Manulife Place in Edmonton. There were certainly things happening in retail, but, but Marcel, tell me a little bit about what you were seeing in the industry, um, say, you know, in 2019. You know, to say that we were excited or happy about where things were going, I think would not be accurate. We had seen in the last five or seven years, retail moving in a very different direction. And um, to a certain extent, both landlords and retailers having a tough time just keeping up with the changes, which, you know, we perceived as being driven by demographics. And when I say that, what I mean is that the proliferation of young people between the millennials and the Gen Z, we saw as a very important driver of, um, you know, expense, like those were the shoppers and those were the, the ones that we were kind of keeping an eye on. Um, when we looked at any of the urban centers, more than 50% of the populations in the downtown areas were made up of millennials. So the spending habits and um, just the behaviors of millennials and, and now the Gen Z generation was starting to turn retail in a very different direction. When you talk about the changes um, that were afoot, uh, the obvious ones obvious, uh, would be the online, the omni-channel, the uh, social media influences, um, things that I think were cues for us in the industry to pay attention to. And um, it, it kind of went to the ideas of, are our retail environments servicing this demographic adequate, adequately? And um, we had started to look five to seven years ago at the makeup of retail environments and whether they satisfied the needs of the consumer. And we felt like retail needed to go in a very different direction. It was very transactional. Um, we mm-hmm. saw the decline of food traffic in shopping centers. There was a, an increasing need for food and beverage operations in shopping centers and um, shopping environments. And some of these needs were not being adequately met. Um, So we started really focusing on how we could address these changes that we knew were coming. And I think what, uh, and what everybody has said now, I mean, the buzzword is that um, COVID has accelerated all these changes, which is absolutely true. I think in the last 10, 11 months, we've seen a decade of change happening um, in a very short time span. And wow. yes, it's been um, 
not it's it's been seismic in its in its size when you consider um, the impact and how both retailers and landlords have had to pivot um, to address these changes. So to me, there's always silver linings to a very bad situation. Um, and maybe some of the silver linings that, you know, uh-huh. we like to, uh, to say is that it's forced um, everyone in our industry to address the realities of the changes that were going to happen anyway. Um, but a lot sooner and yep. in a lot shorter time span. And as, as always in these situations, um, some either rise to the crisis and, and meet it and others are going to take a little longer. But I think at the end of the day, um, it's, it's going to be for the better. I wonder what was causing the um, the reduction in foot traffic. I mean, things were completely dire, but I, I'd heard the same thing was that, you know, consumers seem to be, you know, shopping a little bit less in physical stores anyways. So I guess mm-hmm. some were moving online, but uh, um, do you think people were moving to experiences or what was kind exactly. of happening? Around? I think, yeah. I think it was, you know, a question of why do I need to get off my couch and go to the shopping center to buy something that I can get online? Mm-hmm. Um, the experience of shopping was not compelling. Um, in a lot of cases, customer service was not there. And so when you add, you know, that to the retail environment that you're in, which isn't um, offering the experiences either, it doesn't make for a very um, compelling argument to get off your couch. So yeah. I think that, you know, in large part had to do with um, people just not finding it interesting. And again, I think it's driven by the younger generation. When you talk about millennials, um, they're into their late 30s now. So they're, you know, in, their influence is pretty big on Gen X and also mm-hmm. on the boomer generation. So there's a mindset that is slowly set in and it's kind of filtered into all of the generations because of the impact and influence of, you know, the the two young groups that I mentioned, the Gen Z and the millennials, but also social media. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're big into social media Mm -hmm. and we're seeing some retailers following that, or I guess amplifying their own social media presence to get to that younger consumer who is glued to their phones. I guess what is highlighted is that transactional retail is no longer a viable option and that fashion alone does not drive food traffic. You know, there's the perception of, you know, anchor tenants and what they do for a shopping center. Um, This is not really a relevant argument anymore because we've all seen what has happened to the major anchor tenants. So, the fact, the fact that That's we're, right. you know, moving into a different direction has left a lot of landlords with, um, you know, the prospect of having to reimagine and rethink their retail environments. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the retail mix, we, we've talked about this before, but Beulet really is highly conceptual in terms of when you've got 
a like I don't know if project is the right word, but say a property that you are mm-hmm. strategizing and and you know doing leasing in, you take a real holistic uh, approach to it. You look to the future and, and you look, you know, what what tenants are going to bring people in. Tell me a little bit about that secret sauce to getting a project right. I'm not sure it's a secret <laughs> sauce. Um, I I think it's just based on fact. Um, first of all, we rely heavily on demographics. You know, for us, it's it's about the research and understanding the market. Who is your customer and who are you serving? Um, and also taking a completely different approach in terms of not cloning the retail environments that we're working on or curating. Mm-hmm. You know, looking for tenants that can really differentiate. And we don't make a distinction between an anchor tenant of, you know, whether it's 10, 20, 30,000 square feet or more, or a 600 square foot tenant. Because to us, every single tenant is important to the overall mix. And so it's a, it's very much a holistic approach. It's understanding that, you know, it's, it's like this Rubik's cube that you're putting together that, um, it's got to fit tightly or you're not going to have a successful retail environment. And that is also tapping into the community, uh, the market that you're in. You can't take the same approach um, to retail in Vancouver or Edmonton or Winnipeg or Montreal that you do in Toronto. So you have to look at each of these um, projects in a way that you're tapping into the market and somehow you're creating a sense of community as well. And that for us is super important, um, whether it's a fashion tenant, a food tenant, a medical use, um, they're all important. And it's this multi-use um, approach that we think is going to be even more prevalent post-COVID because there just won't be enough fashion tenants. Fashion doesn't drive foot traffic. No, no. Maybe unless it's Lululemon, but that's not, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> Exactly. We talked about um, the uh, LCBO, or for those who are not familiar, it's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, um, at least uh, quite a large space at the Manulife Centre. And we were talking about, uh, you know, the future retail spaces and, and the fact that some spaces are really going to work for fashion at this point, but are going to work for other types of retail and concepts. Uh, um, do you think we'll see more of that, say, in our streets, in our centres, uh, you know, um, retailers such as this? Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be an integral component of um, diversifying the shopping experience that, you know, um, this kind of food and service component is, is very important. It's, it's also going to increase the amount of time that people are spending in the shopping center. It also generates more traffic on a more consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You may not go and shop for fashion every week. Some may, mm-hmm. most don't. Um, but, you know, for your, if, if you were to have a favorite restaurant or takeout place, um, 
in a, in a mall, you, you wouldn't go there more than once a week. Yep. And so it's, it's creating that environment that allows you to do more than shop and, you know, spend some time, have fun with friends and family um, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And going back to the Manual Life Center, uh, I, I think it's a it's a great mix. You've got Italy, uh, of course. It opened in November mm-hmm. of 2019. It's about 50,000 square feet. And you've got grocery and restaurants. And it's just such a fun, busy experience. Uh, I live close to it, so I, I, I love it. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you've got... You, you, well, I'm happy that you can take advantage of it. a lot can't. I mean, just if they're not, unless they're traveling to the neighborhood, right? <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think there's a good diversity. I mean, you've got, we've got an interesting shoe store. You know, Ron White is in there. Uh, we'll have a new LCBO. And, you know, the LCBO is driving traffic in the basement already, right? You mm-hmm. know, it, it was it was down mm-hmm. there with the Shoppers Drug Mart. and uh, uh, It's the concourse yeah, level. Yeah, con- concourse level. Yeah, yeah, I should call it the right thing. I know. <laughs> and if you're from different places, there's different terms and I get all confused. Some people have used garden level, which uh, <laughs> would be a stretch here. It's <laughs> a little bit of a stretch, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so I think it's interesting because, again, you know, space has to be leased and, and you have to do something which is, is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, using another Manulife example of Edmonton, where I'm from, uh, you know, Manulife Place is is being, re- you know, re- redesigned. And sometimes that takes investment. Mm-hmm. And and I think it takes, you know, investment and, and vision for the future. Um, that one is, you know, it was an announcement uh, earlier last year um, about manual life investing. Um, we're working, certainly working on the vision and the plans, but nothing uh, to report as yet. So I will definitely keep you updated on that. Yeah, yeah. And the um, overall aesthetics, I mean, certainly what I've noticed with, uh, uh, you know, say retail plazas and shopping centers generally is uh, uh, those that are updating are, you know, doing so, say, through renovations. They they may brighten up the space a little bit, right? Uh, Make it a little bit more uh, contemporary. Um, You know, so here's what I'm thinking, having talked to you know, even psychologists, as we react to the environment that we're in, and if a place has been updated, we may feel like it's a bit more of a desirable place to be. Um, I'm curious to, you know, get your opinion on uh, the importance of, I guess, of the physical nature of uh, the place that a person is in and how they'll react to that from a retail perspective in terms of spending, uh, be it in a restaurant or in a store. Design is um, extremely important. Uh, whether it be from, you know, the landlord perspective or from the tenant perspective. And we focus a lot on that. Um, We always talk about creating Instagrammable moments. And what that means is that the design has to be compelling and it's not about cost or, you know, anything of that. it's, It's not strictly about cost. It's about how interesting is the design and it could be you know as simple as having you know something that's interactive um within the space something as simple as seating that could you know double as um kind of a playground and there's there's a lot of creative and artistic things that are being done um in terms of designs and going forward um, that's going to become increasingly important as well is what does the physical space look and feel like Um, Mm -hmm. it's all we're already there and it's 
something that is, you know, has, has, I guess, gained traction over the last six or seven years. Previously, when a retailer designed a store, it was normally for 10 years. I'm talking, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, um, the design was designed to last 10 years. Today, that's not possible because the aesthetic and the look and feel of spaces is changing constantly. So that also leads to, you know, the the uh, need for flexibility in that design so that you don't spend all your money on fixtures that you can't remove. That's right. Future proof. Uh, That's exactly it. You've got to be flexible. You've got to position yourself that um, it's not going to be a huge cost if you have to make a number of tweaks five years down down the road or even three years down the road, Mm -hmm. because that's how fast um, change is happening these days. Oh goodness, oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's that's right. I, I think about that too. In terms of now, we've got retailers that are looking to make their even their just their back rooms more efficient or expand that a little bit so that they can do. I guess we'd say micro fulfillment in terms of mm-hmm. even you know people ordering online and having them say pick it up in the store for the next little while that would have to be curbside pickup because we're in a lockdown in Toronto, but not in other parts of the country or, um, you know, ship to home. But uh, we're certainly seeing retailers fulfilling orders from their stores, but also looking to create more experiential spaces for consumers to come in to, to learn about products, to see them and, uh, uh, you know, connect mm-hmm. with the brand and, and whatnot. And uh, in terms of, and speaking of connecting to brands, we've seen a real direct to consumer movement, I think, um, even during the pandemic in terms of brands coming about uh, mm-hmm. in years past, it was multi-brand retailers that were the thing. Uh, uh, and now we're seeing brands and uh, Marcel, I'm curious if you're seeing any sort of trends around uh, new brands, even digitally native getting into the physical space or, or what have you seen? Cause you, you, you've, Mm-hmm. Found some very cool concepts around the world through traveling and whatnot. Absolutely. And, you know, when we look at the fact that I think the number is now 1,800 stores that have closed um, during the pandemic in Canada, mm-hmm. there is going to be an absolute need for a new pipeline of retail and restaurateurs. Um, you know, whether it be uh, retailers that are online that will go into bricks and mortar or restaurateurs that, um, you know, are, are going to be entrepreneurs that are creating new concepts mm. or existing restaurateurs that are creating new concepts, which is happening as we speak. Um, so definitely we're in touch with um, lots of retailers that um, we're hoping we'll make the transition and, and on the, the F and B side restaurateurs that are tweaking their concepts to create um, different formats that, you know, require less staffing, all the things, the challenges they faced during the pandemic. um, Some of them are coming out of this thinking that, you know, this kind of grab and go or um, fast, uh, component is is good for their brand Mm. so we will see um over i would say the next 24 to 36 months um new concepts rising out of out of this and um it would it will be very good for for the industry 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I speak to a few of these uh, younger brands as well that may not even have stores yet that are looking at doing it, whether or not it's a pop-up or even taking the leap for something a little more long-term. And it's exciting to see there's actually this optimism out there. I know that, you know, the pandemic has put a damper on a lot of people's perception of reality. But the fact is there's some people out there that are like, well, we're going to move fast and furious into the future. I've got a vision and a plan and I'm excited to execute it. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that's great. It's very risky, but we got some risk takers here. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot more pop-ups, you know, where retailers are going to be testing the market just to see, you know, their customers there, if it works or, um, pop-ups in terms of retailers wanting to get rid of product or test product in the market. And all of those will, would be viable options in spaces moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about foot traffic a bit, and uh, we've got a situation really across Canada in the central business districts where a lot of people... Well, they're not working in the central business districts. They're working from home. (laughs) And this has obviously changed the dynamic and foot traffic in some of our downtown cores. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think would be the future of, say, retail in in some of these downtowns, uh, given that, you know, there was a reduction in foot traffic? And we're not quite sure where things are going to go. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, we have downtown resident populations. You know, Toronto and Vancouver especially have large downtown populations of over 100,000 and Montreal's pretty close. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the future of the downtown core and, uh, and retail surrounding that. I think I'm, you know, the eternal optimist when it comes to that. I think uh, humans crave human connection. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we're going to be in this isolate, you know, this mode of isolation forever. And um, people will need to get to get out. They would want to go back to work, I think, back to the office. Will they be there um, five days a week? That's the question. But you still have to have meetings downtown. You're not going to have lunch meetings at your home. Mm. Um, so people will need to get out. And there's nothing better than you know meeting a colleague or um, a friend in a downtown restaurant and we have many, many fine restaurants. So that's going to drive traffic as well. Um, it was interesting because I, I read somewhere, I think it was this week, earlier this week about the banks making a statement about all these employees working from home, not working for them anymore. Mm. At the beginning of the pandemic, I think there was a thought that um, this could work, but there's a whole aspect of collaboration and creativity that happens when humans connect with each other mm-hmm. and people don't come up with brilliant thoughts in isolation on their own. Um, it's the give and take of conversation and ideas that, that lead to brilliant thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that um, as we move forward out of, the pandemic that we will get back to um, a different way of doing business. And one thing that I could see in the financial core is to your point about the resident population being downtown is really tapping more into that mm-hmm. um, and, and figuring out how you can get some of these um, residents uh, in the condos surrounding the retail 
uh, environments to to come in and shop. No, I think that'd be important. I think a vaccine's going to be important mm-hmm. too in terms of just getting people comfortable going out again into places, yes. you know, high density mm-hmm. places like a downtown would be far more high density than the suburbs generally. And how quickly they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, unfortunately is out of every, out of our control. So we, we have to see what that timing is like. But um, by all accounts, it seems maybe by mid-summer, mm-hmm. um, you know, we hope anyway that things can start getting on track. Yeah, yeah. 2021 is not going to be a normal year. That's a given. Yeah. It's going to be a year of transformation, of transition, uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I have high hopes for 2022. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. Just given given the timelines for vaccinations, I think that's actually a pretty yeah. huge thing. And in terms of travel, I mean, travel and retail have certainly been uh, interconnected for many years. I'm just thinking of Louis Vuitton's ads, even from the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, has worked on Union Station, and, and I'm thinking generally about travel retail. You know, airports obviously have some amazing mm-hmm. stores. I've been in some amazing airports. Uh, right. haven't been in any airports since March. And <laughs> but uh, exactly. Yeah, in, in terms of, uh, I'm guessing you know, we're hoping that people are going to come back and, and take transit, I guess, more. Again, the vaccination thing, I think, is, is going to be part of it. I know for myself, I haven't been on a, on a Toronto subway car since February of 2020. My God, actually, it's been a year. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Yeah. I used to take it every day, um, yeah. but probably the same thing. I mean, uh, I, 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 we're, we're hoping that we're going to eventually see the crowds again. You know, the, the people that are going to, uh, uh, you know, be coming into, you know, I'm just thinking of, you know, the vendors in our subway stations that have the little stores, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the magazine stands. Well, I don't even call that like a convenience retailer. You know, they'll be selling a few little things. And actually, there's some better retailers, some amazing, you know, Jamaican patties and some subway stations. But the thing is, they're not going to get those customers yeah. right now. Right. I'm not honestly. Well, sure. the transportation hubs have definitely suffered mm-hmm. um, with. I think a lot of the airlines are going to be asking the travelers to be um, vaccinated or tested. I don't know if that's going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, or to what extent that's going to help. These variants are also um, throwing a wrench into things at the moment, but um, time is going to tell. And to your point, it's going to be very important. The the vaccines are going to be very important uh, in terms of just people being able to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And the next few months are really going to be critical, I think, for a lot of retailers. Um, some parts of the country have shutdowns. Uh, I think even more detrimental, certainly around the country, is uh, you know consumers that may not uh, feel comfortable going into physical spaces yet for various reasons. We're going to continue, I think, to see a bit of a slowness in, in, in some of the people getting out for a while until there is an increased confidence, which... Uh, you know, I, I, but, but it's going to have to come. And in this case here, we've got a situation where especially food service businesses, you know, may, they're going to have to hold on as long as they can and hopefully survive this at this point, especially mm-hmm. with the, you know, reduced uh, people going out for this time period. And then lockdowns, obviously, in some parts of the country have posed a massive challenge uh, uh, for retailers. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, on the, on the food service side, you know, what we saw last year was when the patios were open and those that had patios were able to definitely capitalize on that. Um, there definitely was a pent up demand between 
people being inside March to, I think it was mid-March or something till June. Hmm. Um, So when the patios were open, people did go. Um, I I would hope the same thing would be um, possible this summer for, you know, the food and beverage guys and women. Um, Fashion, there will have to be, uh, you know, the way when we look at, you know, what some of the retailers on the fashion side are doing, where there's a conversion between the online and um, the bricks and mortar meaning that that experience between the two should be seamless mm-hmm. so that you shop online or research online, but the pickup in the store, if that's the way you intend to go, would be seamless. So the customer service aspect of it, once you re- do your research and go to the store, that the store has the product. Yeah. Um, and the fulfilling of the products efficiently in the stores will also um, help some of the fashion retailers because what happens when you're in the store, you end up not just buying the one item that you were there to pick up. You're going to, um, you know, maybe pick up a few things that you hadn't anticipated if you saw it. Mm. So the whole merchandising of the store has to be geared around you know, easy navigation of the store, finding the product or having the customer service available that it's, it's quick because I'm sure you've heard too that even though the dwell time has decreased, the um, average expenditure when people go out shopping has increased. Mm -hmm. And this is a good thing. Um, So if there are, you know, if this can continue the correlation between, um, you know, people really now having a grasp on, on uh, of online shopping and what they want mm-hmm. so that when they go to the store, it's not just browsing around, it's with purpose. Yep. That is definitely going to help at the cash register. Definitely. And conversions, of course, in terms of uh, if someone's going into a store, there's more of a chance they're going to be buying than say, you know, in, in 2019, there were a lot of browsers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, so that's why I think the dwell time is, is really not going to be a, a good measure anymore yeah. of um, successful retail. And there's also that measure of, uh, uh, online versus in store, because now that's, you know, being blurred more than ever in terms of, you know, we look at store performance. Uh, well, the question is now, what happens if someone buy something online in the store? <laughs> and, and that's going to happen too. I think I definitely it's happening now, um, in some of the retail stores and this whole buy online pickup in store is people are getting used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it kind of takes the, maybe it, it's a bit of the angst out of shopping. When you know you're going to the store, you have it down pat, you go in with the intention of being in and out. But like I said, the majority of shoppers, they can always find something else to pick up when they go inside the store. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it's kind of placing those those items strategically that you know you will it's going to catch your eye before you walk out yeah no that makes sense and, and you know i'm really hoping that people will come back to physical retailers en masse because again that upselling and just that opportunity for more purchases is there when you have a showroom or a place that's mm-hmm. showcasing the product so Mm-hmm. Oh goodness! Well, we hope for some optimism coming here in retail. Um, I, I think you know, twenty twenty two onwards, we may end up with the boom period. We'll see. I'm just I'm being optimistic there. <laughs> well, I, I I think you know, definitely. There's usually when there's crises, what comes out of crises is innovation, um, and there people have had ten months of you know, being able to think about what they want to do going forward. They, there's been a lot of research that people may not have done pre-COVID that was necessitated be- because of COVID. Um, you know, even in our shop, it's kind of helped us take a step back because usually you you're on that treadmill whether it's to your point about traveling you know you're on a plane every week or you're um you're moving fast but sometimes when you're on a treadmill you're you're stationary you're moving but you're really not getting anywhere and i think what this has done is kind of helped everybody take a step back i i had thought at the beginning of this that it what it you know, it, it was somehow leveling the playing field. I'm not sure that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has maybe shone a light on some of the um, inequities in in the system. Yeah. Um, which is also a good thing because um, we all have to realize too that this is an ecosystem and we depend on each other to succeed, it, it really is, um, it's not, you know, each man looking out or each woman looking out for themselves. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll come out of this with a very different perspective of, um, you know, what it takes to, uh, to be successful. And it's about helping each other and giving people a hand because if they're successful, then you're successful as well. No, oh, I like that. Those that's, those are really great parting words. I, I would say, you know, cooperate, you know, and, and we'll have optimism for the future. Things aren't going to be, you know, this bad forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. This has been uh, Marcel uh, Redemeyer. You're the founder of uh, Bule Retail Consultants based in Toronto with projects uh, uh, in properties around the country. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for everyone listening. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And that concludes our special edition interview. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning thank you everyone for listening and until next time